God, even in this season, has continued to show how faithful he is. That is, when we pay attention to the passage when it says God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, even in the darkest moments of your life, church, God is working out some good. You may not see it looking forward. You may not see it in the present. But once you get through it, you look backwards and you say, man, God, you were working. He has shown how faithful he has been. God has allowed us to rejoice in some good at one point or another this year. If you're honest with yourself, you can say, man, this year has been rough. It has been tough. But, man, I have seen God's goodness in this. Rather, if it's, hey, I didn't lose my employment. Hey, I, I haven't gotten sick. Or, hey, man, I still got a roof over my head. I still have food to eat. I've seen God's faithfulness in, in my life, in my family's life, in this year. There's been plenty of ups and downs, uh, a pandemic, throw in an eye surgery, throw in some, broken, some messed up ligaments, and I can continue to go on and on and on. But yet I have seen God's faithfulness. One of them, one of the things that I experienced this year that has brought us joy has been able to, to see and to hold uh, my baby niece, Noriah. A baby changes many things. Right? It's, been, it's amazing how a baby can, can change the atmosphere in a room. You can be in a room with maybe family members that you haven't seen for years or, or in a room at a doctor's appointment with a bunch of strangers, but you place a beautiful, cute baby in the center, and all of a sudden, everyone's eyes glow. Everyone is Google-gogging the baby from their seats, and, and, and even conversations begin to begin with people that don't know each other because of the baby. Sometimes when I would go visit people, maybe we didn't have much to say to each other, but I just let my kids loose and they put on the show. A baby is a powerful force. But what about when that baby is God? You may have grown up hearing the story of Christmas, right? We all, we've, we've all heard the story of Christmas. Jesus Christ goes on ahead and, and he's born and he moves he removes his, his robe of glory, of majesty, sitting on the right-hand side of his father. And he steps into this world as a baby. But his parents, they don't, there's, there's no room for them at the end. So he is born in this manger. We've heard the story of, of the wise men seeing the Christmas star and being led over uh, to see Jesus and to, to give him gifts. And, and sometimes we can gloss over, though, the most important fact of this historical event. And that thing being that Jesus is God with us. We've been speaking about in this sermon series titled Dwell, how God's, one of his greatest passion has been to dwell among us. To, to, to a God who, unlike any other God, desired to dwell with his creation. See, God could have said, listen, I'll create everything, I'll create everyone, and then I'm going to sit on my throne, and I'm just going to leave it at that, make them figure things out. No, God loved us so much that in all his sovereignty created us and has desired to dwell with us so much that, you know, sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes people go on ahead and rub us the wrong ways. 
Sometimes someone may have stabbed us in the back, talked bad, bad about us, whatever the case is, have, has burnt us, has burnt the bridge, and all of a sudden we say, you know what, I'm done with this person. I'm done. I'm not going to talk to them no more. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to look for them. I'm just done with them. But you know, God loved us so much that from the very beginning of time, he's been trying to dwell with us. And so many times we've turned our back on him. But you know what? Up until now, he has never turned his back on us. And throughout the Bible, we have seen this to be true. There's many ways that God could have entered into this world. There's many ways in which God could have said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on a show. As I come down, I'm going to go on ahead and have all the lightning and flashes and all this, you know, make the stars look like the strobe lights and, and say, I am here. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He decided to come into a hu- as a human form. He decided to be birthed from a, ma- from a, a woman and not, not a queen. He didn't come and be, he wasn't born into a palace. He, he, they chose, they chose a poor woman. He lowered himself to that of a baby. This series that we've been talking about, how God dwells with us, we see that he has been pursuing us. From the very beginning of time, he's been choosing to, to, to be with us, to dwell with us, wanting to be together with us. We went in the first series, ser- sermon, we went all the way to the beginning. To the beginning, back when God created Adam and Eve, he created them to have a relationship with them and placed them in a perfect place. He gave them a task. He says, listen, go on ahead and populate, create family so that they could also be with God. God says, listen, I created you, Adam and Eve, but I want more than that. I want to dwell with more, so populate the world. We see in week one, Adam and Eve, they failed to expand this, and they allowed sin to enter into the world. And God goes on ahead and says, you got to get out of this garden. But then God didn't. That wasn't the end. The Bible doesn't end at at, at chapter three of the book of Genesis. God still says, but I still desire to dwell my people. And so last week, we talked about the tabernacle. And how he constructed, how he designed the tabernacle, how he tells Moses, Moses, this is what I want you to build. This is how I want you to build. And I, taught, I told you this was a kind of a replica to resemble what it might look like in heaven. And God created this. And we, and we showed you, we showed you pictures of how in this tabernacle that, that the people didn't get up and leave until, until, the, until the fire by night, until the, 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 the cloud during day began to move. God dwelled wherever they were at. They could look at the center of their camp, and they could see the presence of God. But what happened was that Israel failed to accomplish this relationship with God through this tabernacle that God had made because they began to make this tabernacle something that it wasn't. And so that stopped. But the beautiful thing is that the love story still continues. God came down. Okay, remember he dwelled with Adam and Eve in the garden. They can talk to God. They can hear God in that garden. They fail, he removes them. Now he creates this tabernacle. Now, not just anybody can go and and dwell in his presence. The high priest had to go in. But obviously that didn't work. So then God 
now came down from heaven, not just to be with us, but to make sure that we can be with him forever. That it wouldn't be dependent on us. He says, listen, I've already, I, I, I was with them. That didn't work, right? It, it, with Adam and Eve. I, I, I designed this tabernacle and that didn't work. So let me go down there, not only to be with them, but let me go down there so I can do what I can ultimately have to do by sacrificing myself. So now they have the opportunity to be with me forever. I can't do this, let this happen on their own dependency on me. Where the tabernacle and the temple were a step in the right direction. Jesus is not a mere step in the right direction. Jesus is the actual destination. He's what we've been trying so hard to get back to. To be with God. And that's why the beautiful thing is that in the fourth gospel of the book, in the New Testament, it almost starts off. John, the author, starts it off almost the way Genesis 1 you know, in the Genesis, we hear in the beginning, right? When John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Then we go to verse 14, and it says, And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. In this passage, we see that, that God desired once again to dwell with his people. So he goes on ahead and becomes God. He becomes man. In the beginning, we see that this word that they're talking about is, is Jesus. He is God. In the beginning, Jesus was there when all of creation was done. Jesus was there when, when, when the tabernacle instructions were given to Moses. And now Jesus is here in the form of flesh to dwell among us. In the time in which people thought maybe we, we've missed the boat, we see here that God's presence once again returns with his people. There's that hope. Where's the hope? Where's the, the hope is that our God wants to dwell with us. Our hope is that as imperfect as we are, our God has provided a way because his presence returned. It created a way for us to be with him once and for all forever. Last week we talked about God coming to dwell with us in the tabernacle. Remember, it was in the ark. Remember, I showed you the picture of the ark of the, cov of the covenant. The tabernacle would later on become the temple. And later that temple was destroyed and the ark was lost. The people of God, they were waiting during that time. They were waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. They were waiting because they were said, when this temple gets rebuilt, now we can once again dwell in the presence of God. They were waiting and waiting. And to be honest with you, you know, there's still lots of people that are still waiting for God to come and dwell with them once again kind of missed the boat because the great news this morning is that the presence of God did return. It did return, but not in an ark, not hidden in the back room of, of the tabernacle in the holies of holies. No, it returned with Jesus Christ. The word which is Jesus was there from the beginning. Everything was made through him, and he became God in flesh, and he dwells among us. You know, many other religious 
uh, historical people think that Jesus was just a historical person. They say, yeah, he was a prophet. Yeah, he was a teacher. But he was definitely so much more than that. He is God in human flesh dwelling with his creation. And at birth, at birth, the birth of Christ, there was a transfer from the temple to the human body of Jesus. You see, the people that are looking at the temple and they're waiting for that, this, this physical thing to happen, to be filled with the presence of God, it, that transfer was done. The moment Jesus Christ is now born as a baby, now has shifted. The very presence of God is not hidden in a temple, in a building. It's in this baby at that time, at that moment. The presence of God was Jesus. He's the new greatest temple. G.K. Beale says this in a, a book that he has titled God Dwells Among Us. He says, just as the glory of God filled the tabernacle, so the glory of God now tabernacles in Jesus. The presence of God formerly contained in the holies of holies has begun to burst forth into the world in the form of the incarnate God, Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 through 20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, rather on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing to know that, and we got to be careful how we say this, but to know that we have a God that loves us so much that he's willing to run after us. So many times we're running away from him, but he continues to come right after I mean, come on, think about it. The God of the world, the universe, the creator of all things. How many things did he have to do to get our attention? He goes so far to say, I love him so much. I want to dwell with him so much. One day I want him to dwell with me forever, for all of eternity, that I will now take shape and form of a baby Live a life in the world that we know that there's plenty of suffering. We know that our Jesus Christ suffered. He died on the cross. He knew what had to be done. And he did it because he loved us so much that he says, listen, I want to be with you. He's chased us for so many things. But yet we went on ahead. And time after time after time again, we turned our back and run the other way. The beautiful thing is that Jesus, Jesus accomplished reconciliation. He still is accomplishing. The work has been done, but he still wants our relationship with him to be reconciled. Because no longer is God in a temple, but Jesus is the temple. The presence of God used to dwell in the Ark of the Covenant, which resided in the Holies of Holies, as I talked to you last week. It was the last room in the temple. And the temple was a way that man could go on ahead and, and could experience a bit of God's presence. In the temple, there was the specific works that had to be done. Remember I told you, they would, they would sacrifice animals, and, and, and the high priest would go there, and he would sprinkle blood all over onto the Ark of the Covenant and through that holies of holies. And this was a way in which they were able to worship God and have that worship be accepted. 
But remember, you had to be a priest in order to make those sacrifices. And there was other ceremonial acts that, would, that were performed in that temple, but of all these acts, were, they were to, for us to worship God and the sanctifying of his people for the purpose of reconciling God and, and, and man. In other words, that had to be hap- happened. The, the Bible said there had to be a shedding of blood in order for there to be forgiveness of sin. So that's how they did it. Once a year. But if we look, church, from a bird's eye view, we'd see God's heart for us even in this. Because he created this access so that we can be with him. And if you pay attention, you see God's love. Because we see this clearly in him sending Jesus Christ. Because Jesus completely, completely fulfilled the redemptive work when he died on the cross so that we can be free now to worship God. Remember last week I talked to you on how when Christ gave his spirit up, that that veil was torn in that temple. Because now the way we had access to God was no longer waiting once a year for a high priest to go and sprinkle blood. Jesus Christ became our high priest, and he became the ultimate sacrifice. That hope, that hope that came from a baby. The fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. And it is in him now, not a man-made vessel, but conceived by God through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus fulfills what the temple failed to do when the Israelites made something out of it that it wasn't supposed to be. Remember that story in, in John chapter 2, verse 13? And you don't have to, we're not going to talk about it or read it now, but we see that Jesus, remember when Jesus goes into that temple and he drives out all uh, of the people that were selling in that temple. And he cleanses it, is what he was doing. Of those uh, that were selling, they were turning the court of, of the Gentile, where, remember, where everyone could go. And, and he called them, he called them the den, uh, he was calling them robbers and thieves. G.K. Beale says, since this court of Gentiles w- was filled with buying and selling, any Gentile who came to worship the Lord would find themselves disappointed. Even if they might come hungry for God's presence, they would go away hungry. The temple was not fulfilling its God-ordained role as witnesses to the nations. The Father's house, a house intended to bless all the nations, presented the nations from worship. So we see here, they made this temple what it wasn't made to, to, to really do. This temple was so that when the, when the people came from all over the land, they can see that temple. They can go and they can worship. And they can get as close as they possibly could to the presence of God. But yet Jesus goes in there and sees, man, you guys are making this a whole marketplace that even when people are coming because they're hungry, because they want to worship God, they can't because of all of it. So he cleanses it. Jesus, however, not only cleanses the temple, but immediately he begins to function in and out of himself what the temple was designed to do. That's what I love. That's what I love because in Matthew 21, 14, he, it tells us that Jesus, as soon as he clean, cleanses out the temple, he begins healing people in the temple. In other words, saying, listen, you guys are making this what it's not, but I'm here because I am what it was meant to be. Jesus not only heals us, but he alone forgives sins as God did. And as our 
only needed sacrifice. In Mark chapter 2, verse 7, it says, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit what they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. In a temple situation, we needed a priest to perform a sacrificial offering on our behalf. But Jesus, who is God, does that for us through the redemptive work of the cross where his blood was shed for the sins of the world. He goes on ahead and again, wanting to dwell with his people. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What I love is that it wasn't just no longer a, a tabernacle, but now it is God himself who not, he did not go on ahead and design uh, something to, to, to dwell with us. He becomes that something. He says, man, I love them so much that now I won't be in a tent. I'm going to be walking outside of that tent. I'm going to be speaking. I'm going to be performing miracles. I'm going to be telling people what it is that they need to do so that as much as I want to dwell with them while I'm here, I want them to dwell with me for all of eternity. So he provides this redemptive work. It's God who becomes man. He offers restoration, not just re reconciliation, but restoration. This morning and throughout this remaining season, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. We're recognizing the gift of God with us. It's in the beginning of this gift that we have peace with God and communion with him. Just as we see in John chapter nine, chapter 1 verse 9, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says, let me try this again. This time, I'm going to finish the work. Jesus is our testimony. He is the promise. In him, there is this invitation to this space. There's forgiveness of our sins in this space. There's reconciliation between us and God in this space. There's a completed payment in this space. There's peace in this space. And the reality is that you can experience this this morning. The great news is that this isn't about a baby story that happened thousands of years ago so that we can simply remember. The beautiful thing about this is that you can enter this temple today. 
that you are not merely a listener of this baby story, but the reality is that this message is about you. The story of this baby born in the manger is a story about you. It's a story for you. So how do we enter into the temple with Jesus? How do we find rest with God? How do we receive forgiveness of our sins and and be restored to what God intended this relationship to be like, to look like? How do we dwell with God again? Colossians 1.21 says, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, has now been reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, blameless and above reproach before him. See, what Jesus saw, God saw, is listen, we've, we've made several attempts to to dwell with our people, but it's not working. They're still falling short. They're, they don't, they're, they're not standing up to the standard in which they need to. They're not being holy as I am holy. Something has to happen. So he desired to dwell with us so much, he becomes a baby. He lives life as an adult. He goes on ahead and dies as our high priest so that we, so that we could be presented holy and blameless above reproach. Someone that loves you so much, who desired to dwell with you so much, that he says, I will die. The story's about us. A baby, it started with a baby. A baby did this. So this morning, we celebrate the day that Christ was born. Because that was the day that our hope was made secure. Do you believe that? Your hope, your hope was made secure over 2,000 years before you were even born. The next time you hear the, Christ, the story of Christmas, and you say, oh, that's so beautiful, that story is so touching. Remember that that day signifies the day that our hope was made secure. This baby changes the atmosphere, not just of the room but of all creation for all time. But the reality is this, as we get ready to close, is that not everyone is aware of his presence today. And we can say, but how? How is this? We've seen it time after time again. See, we're reading, we read the Bible, we experience God's presence. Some of these people were actually living in it. Some of these people were actually seeing it seen him, seen his presence, and yet they still walk away. And it still happens today. Not everyone has received the good news of Jesus. There are some that are here today that either you're sitting here or you're listening to us online that right now during the season, you just feel no connection with God. You have not experienced any closeness to him. And if he were in the room, you probably wouldn't even recognize him. And you're here today, and you desire to know and to have peace with God. So today, I want to invite you to enter into the temple of Jesus. I want you to know and understand what it is, what it meant, the fact that he died on a cross for us. See, 
some of us may say, but we're talking about Jesus. We should be talking about him being born, not about him dying. Yeah, but the fact that he died, what that work represented is what makes that baby so special. Because without that, it's just another baby. How many babies are born every day? We're going to make stories about them all? He's special because that moment gave us the opportunity to one day dwell with Christ in all eternity. So when you think about that, think of the, uh, think of the hope that they had. And he loved us so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we would be able to have everlasting life with him. So let us remember that during this season. Let us remember what it is that he did for us. And just as he desired to dwell with us, let us desire to dwell with those loved ones that we have that maybe don't know. They know the story of Jesus, but they don't truly know the significance and how important it is for them. They have no idea that this baby that was born over 2,000 years ago was that moment secured their hope. It gave them an opportunity. So make this season, even though it doesn't look like it normally looks like, the story is still the same. The God is still the same. The opportunity that we have is still the same. And you may say, God, what are you showing us from this? What are you trying to teach us from this? You know what? God is a master. He's the master of all masters, the teacher of all teachers. But we all learn lessons differently. So that's a question that you must ask God yourself. God, what are you teaching me from this season? And how can I be a blessing to others today. I'm going to ask that we all rise to our feet. You know, we all close our eyes when we're asked. And right where we're at, that we would just begin to speak to the Lord. And begin to thank Him for His work. Thank Him for His redemptive work. Thank him for all that he has done. Worship him. We serve a God that loves us so much today. That he's gone through all, all measures to be with us. Sometimes the reality is that we lose sight of that. Sometimes we're chasing people that don't even, they don't care about us. We're chasing things that could care less about us. And yet the creator of this world chases us, has made every, has opened every door, has made every attempt to have a relationship with us. And even in a season like this, in a season in which we should be remembering and thanking him for deciding to leave that comfort of a throne to step down into this crazy, crazy world. Instead of thinking of that, we, we think of so many other things. We're running around. What do we do? What do we buy? And and what are we, how are we going to celebrate all these type of things? We, we make this season so much more 
about what it is for us. We put God in the back seat. So in this moment, if, if you get anything out of this, go before God. Say, Lord, forgive me for making this, this season. Forgive me for making it more about anything else than you. Thank God right there. Listen, remember, you don't need me. You don't need a high priest to go in and, and say a prayer for you. You usually speak to the creator right where you're at. If you're watching at home, if you're listening, you can talk to him right there. God, I, forgive me. For, forgive me for making this all, this whole thing called life more about me and what I want than about you. Thank you that you stepped down into this world. Knowing your fate, knowing what would happen, all because you wanted to spend an eternity dwelling with your creation, with us. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but someone here or you're watching online may be saying, man, nobody wants to spend time with me. Nobody wants to be with me. Listen, don't believe that lie. The Lord of Lords, King of Kings, wants to be with you. And he showed you so much by stepping down, living the life here teaching us and dying so that he can dwell with us. Open your heart, church. Open your heart. Open the door to your heart and let him in. Let him dwell with you. Let him, let him remodel your heart. Forgive us, Lord. We thank you for what you have done. Let us remember what you have done. Let us hang on to the hope, Lord, that even if this world, Father God, were to just completely collapse, God, that we would still have hope because you are our God. Because of the work that you did on the cross, because we know that this world is not our home, God, that we are just passing by. Thank you for make, being that bridge between us and God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, for all that you've shown us and taught us, Lord, this year. And I pray, Father God, Lord, that you would just continue to be with us and continue to use us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, because in a time, a season of uncertainty, Lord, my, there's one thing for certain, and that is that you are my God. And that you know it's tomorrow home. I pray, Lord, as we get ready to dismiss that you would be with your people. Father, Lord, that you would not allow us to forget who we are, that we are your representative. Lord, that we are called to be the light of the world, the salt of this earth, that you did not call us to blend in but to stand out. I pray, Father God, that even in this season that we would be a light, a light in darkness, that we would be a light that leads people to you, a God who desires to dwell with his people. I pray for your protection as we get ready to go back to our homes or wherever it is that we are going to go. And Lord, I pray, Father God, that as we celebrate Christmas, Lord, that first, before we make it about anything else, that we would think and thank you. In 
Jesus' name we pray. And I leave you with this blessing, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord, the God of peace, give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Merry Christmas. Enjoy your families and be safe.